Thank you very much for inviting me, first of all. Um, and um, yeah, it's great. I love speaking about myself. <laughs> so I'm originally from Ukraine. So I'm Ukrainian. Um, <clears throat> I kind of um, like I was studying physics and then business, tried myself in different industries. I mean, started as we all did, probably like as a waiter, you know, some simple jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, then I was working in the FMCG industry in the Nestle. Uh, I think you know what is this. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a very boring office job. Um, I spent there 22 months. Didn't really have what a very... What did you do there? I was, uh, I was marketing assistant. So I was basically okay. doing simple jobs in marketing department. So in general, interesting stuff, right? I was visiting like some advertisement uh, production, you know. It was good, but in general, my responsibilities were like dealing with documents and so on. And also, you know, in these big companies, the career growth is just very weird. I mean, you have to work there for 20 years and then you are the yeah, head of slow. business unit and you're already like 45, 50. And then I was like, okay, this is too slow for me. And then, yeah, my friends just invited me to like start an IT company in 2012. Um, I had no experience, but he said, okay, yeah, I mean, I have experience with uh, developing the products. Um, I know how to speak with clients. I just need somebody clever who can help me like to hire people, you know, to manage some projects. And then you will kind of like grow to QA, project manager, product manager, and then it will just work. And I was like, okay. So and you just I... left a job at Nestle? No, in no, the department. No, it was was even crazier. I left the job in Nestle just because I was like, okay, I cannot do this anymore. And I started to do MLM cosmetics. Okay. So it's like Avon and Oriflame, but was different. Um, yeah, like in half a year, I was like, okay, this is also not not really what I like to do. Then I was, I was managing for three months the wake base. So basically water sports base in Kiev. Ah, like wake parks. Yeah, like a wake, park. wake park. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wake board yeah, so I spent amazing summer. I think it was uh, 2012, by the way. Um, what was this? Where did you go? Was it in Ukraine always? Or? Was it in Ukraine? In Kiev, we have a, quite a big river, um, Dnipro. And basically, there are a lot of boats and people do wake surfing, wake skating. Um, it's cool. It's on the rise. Now you have competitions and all of that. Exactly. We had a scooter, which we were renting. I was an instructor for a scooter as well. We had a oh, bar, wow. we had a restaurant. Some clubs were renting us for the whole night for the party, like on the open air. Basically, it was the whole platform also floating. So it was floating base oh, wow. completely. So once we had a problem with the land, so we just hired a tow board, <laughs> just swam to another place. So you went in the river. Can you do that? <laughs> like in the house just imagine there is a house and basically like with 300 square meters place around the house all floating oh my god no, it's even more fun we had a floating swimming pool can you imagine a floating swimming like pool? spring break and so basically you work at spring break for like exactly for a few months yeah exactly i mean it was a great summer but then the season ended i got some money like just uh, just a hundred and uh, a thousand and a half dollars i think like <laughs> i mean of course the salary was was not high there it was more yeah. like for basically spend a nice time yeah and uh, i mean i was really managing most of it right the supplies the the billing in the restaurant the bar 
I was fueling the board, uh, the boats. So I just was doing quite a lot, but it was really fun. And after that, my friend said, we're opening an IT company. And I was like, sounds interesting. Um, and what experience did you have apart from, of course, your experience in the marketing department? Then, from what I understand, you did a bit. You were very hands-on. You did a bit of everything. Yeah. Just there is a problem, you solved it. But did you have any? You know, you mentioned product design. Did you have any design experience? Did you have any UX experience, or, or you just went as a new, as a completely, you know, blank page? And we yeah, I like go. yeah, I like new things, right? So it was like just a friend says, "We're all like he." He was like, "I am opening IT company. Like, are you free? I need a partner." And I'm like, "How yes. old were you?" Um, twenty four. Okay, wow, very young as well. Uh, yeah, like no experience. I mean, I knew HTML like on the level that I can write "Hello World" in red, <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so basically I didn't know the difference between JavaScript and Java. For me, it was like just one of them is script and the second one is not. <laughs> I still don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, was a lot of fun. I mean, after one year, we hired like 15 developers. We were doing projects for US, for Israel, for Europe. Uh, like different mobile games. Okay, um, so IT, IT company in that you were a developing company and uh, people could service. Yeah. yeah, okay. It was not a product company. We were basically doing outsourcing. Okay, and you were doing also apps, right? It was a lot of things. Some games, mobile apps, uh, supporting some big products, um, like even some industrial really heavy ones, like some pieces of it. We're working with some really nice brands, um, which I cannot disclose for for now, but it was yeah. was was interesting. And then I realized, I mean, in Ukraine, of course, I mean, for example, in Nestle, right, I was earning what like five hundred bucks a month. Uh, so even after working as a waiter, it was like decreasing the salary. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like after one year or something, I thought like we are really earning relatively good money for sitting in front of the computer. And I was like, okay, this is interesting concept. Um, yeah, and then uh, one of the developers somehow told me about Bitcoin. It was beginning of 2013. Oh, wow, me, oh, that was really was, early. Yeah, well, I think what Bitcoin was just a few dollars, right? Was but I, 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 at that time I didn't really understand because he he explained me mining, and I was like, what is this weird thing that you buy a computer and then it earns some digital currency? Like I didn't really understand what is it, why you need it, what's the goal? He was like, oh, you have a gaming PC and then it just earns money overnight. I'm like, I don't have gaming PC. <laughs> so that's how it kind of, like my first contact with Bitcoin happened. Was one of my developers, he was a student, he was 17 or 16 years old. So he was like a trainee basically in the company, but very talented one. He's now in the Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, a very great guy. Um, and yeah, so I didn't understand. And then uh, basically late 13, uh, the same guy I we started IT company with, um, he told me that his friend is building mining farm. He already has few ISICs for Bitcoin, but at that time was already like era after G- GPU, right? So nobody was mining Bitcoin with GPU because ISICs what, appeared in, tw- in 12 or 11. I don't really remember. Um, I'm not sure. All I know is that I think 
graphic card, the graphic card market, but that was later. That was like in 2017 during the bubble, I think. So it I was already the gaming era. computer, and it was yeah. crazy. It was like it was... some graphic card costed more two years after they came out than the original price. Yeah, so there were few eras, few eras. So late 2013, when all crypto was booming because of MT Gox, um, like ah, scam and hype yeah. and so on, it was late 13. So everything was profitable, kind of. Uh, on the market, there were no GPUs, and GPUs were used to mine Litecoin because at that mm-hmm. time Litecoin was ISIC resistant because it required more RAM. Um, okay. And uh, ISICs for Bitcoin, they didn't require any RAM, so it was easy just to cheapen the cooling and the power, and it's just done. Uh, with, um, at that time, for LTC, there were no ISICs, was only GP, uh, GPU, so graphic cards. Um, and we were building two rigs on G, on GPUs, and basically it was a nightmare to find them. And basically I was speaking with the people who, where I found the cards, and they were like, it's crazy. I mean, all our supplies are gone. We like never saw this happening ever, that all the graphic cards are sold to some weird people who buy a lot of cards, one motherboard, <laughs> and the power supply. Like, what the, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we built the rig. I was the one basically like played with the rig, overclocking GPU cards, was basically heating me in winter. Like <laughs> basically the more you overclock the card, the more heat it makes. Yeah. I remember I remember even I mean you don't have this in uh, Gibraltar of course, but I remember that winter 2013 to 14 was minus 20 in Kiev. So basically my my rig was standing on the balcony the window was open, the door to the balcony was open, Bloody and hell. basically warm air was coming into the room. Bloody hell. But what about, so does it damage the computer, like the motherboard, you know, the condensation? or, or No, of course, doesn't... of course, eventually it did, right? Of course, eventually you have a lot of dust, and especially if it is snowing, um, yeah, like over... Water. If it is snowing at, at night and you don't see and there is really a lot of dust, a lot of uh, moist, of course, the, these cards don't really live for long. Uh, so I broke one card, but the rest were kind of good. So that is when, like, that is how we started, right? Was That is how I started with crypto in general. And yeah. I was like, uh, now I have to understand what is, what, what am I really doing, right? What is the Stratum server? What, what does the rig actually does? And then I started to like understand what is mining. And I was like, okay, interesting concept, but why? And then I started to understand like, okay, so how do you do this centralized system which basically replaces money? And then I started to really like read the white paper of Satoshi, right? Understanding what is what. At that time, of course, there was no information about this in Russian. I mean, basically at that time, the industry was like in the very, very beginning. There were like some movements in US, in London, and the rest like was nothing really happening in 2013. So I started to realize what is what, and then I started to Google, like, do we have a community for this, like to speak, exchange ideas, uh, ask questions and so on. And I realized that one guy in Ukraine is basically doing the meetup on this basically just in a few weeks. And I was like, okay, let's try. And at the same time we started, there were, there were in, in news that uh, Apple is um, throwing out all apps which are connected with cryptocurrency. So basically all wallets just disappeared from Apple Store in December 2013. 
Like everything connected with crypto just disappeared. And uh, my other friend, Andy, um, uh, he just said uh, he was a great developer. He just said like, okay, uh, let's develop a web app, which looks like a native mobile app for okay. iPhone. I know with technology how we can connect the wallet to the hardware device, right? So that means yeah. that you can only log in into wallet only from this phone, which kind of almost mimics the native app, right? We did it with the native interface and everything was called Fruit Wallet. I think right now you can only find anything about Fruit Wallet on the forums because the website is not there anymore and so on. So this was like the first experiment, like we tried to do something with crypto. So when you mention web app, it's basically a web page that then you save on your phone, right? You save the link, but the link looks like an app, correct? And then you press exactly. it and it opens up. Okay. Exactly. And even when you press, so on the first login or on the sign up, it yeah. asks access to the certificate of the phone. Ah, okay. So it identifies, it. okay. So you cannot okay, okay. log in from other device. So you don't need it to FA or anything. You can only log in from this device and that's all. So each phone has a sort of, I know that it's not an IP address because IP it's address changes every time, but yeah, it's, it's a hardware, a hardware code. identificator. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And and so you, you came up with a Fruit Wallet, correct? Fruit, Fruit Wallet, wallet. Yeah. Fruit Wallet. And uh, I guess that then you're, you were actually one of the first movers within the fintech industry, especially if you in look Ukraine. at Europe. Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly. So what happened is actually, I, I mean, we met with the guys, um, like, there were only like few people who understood what is happening. Then we realized that we need to do the meetups. We found that uh, Bitcoin Foundation Ukraine. Uh, we uh, at that time already in London there were events called Satoshi Square. It's basically where people exchange bitcoins offline. So we made uh, Satoshi Square Ukraine. We were meeting like every two weeks, and every week I was doing like free Q and A sessions for everyone who is interested in the co-working yeah. space. Um, so, I mean, we were having like really a lot of fun. No one really understood like how to really earn money on this. We were like mostly having fun. Some guys were trading, some guys were exchanging for people who want to invest and so on, like helping yeah, how to like do brokers, it. Yeah, like brokers, no sort of. Exactly, exactly. Brokers, so, yeah. so this was like only the, the beginning of everything. And then in April, there was the first crypto conference um, in Moscow. I think it was 11... 11th April 2014. So this is the you first have event. Quite some memory. <laughs> no, no, I, I remember I, my birthday. No, I really like. <laughs> I really like to remember chronologically my life. That's really what what I enjoy. I can pretty much tell you any year where I was and what I was doing. But yeah, <laughs> I That's don't crazy. know history so well, but my history I know. Um, and basically, even Roger Ver was there in Moscow in 2014. And that is where I met even a lot of people with whom I still work today uh, at that event. I was on the stage there, even have a photo where I am on the same stage with Roger in 2014. Um, wow. I mean, so it was um, it was interesting, let's say so. And then we started to do conferences in Ukraine and there and there. And then I was hired by Tex.io. Tex.io and Jihash. Um, Jihash at that time had 52% of all mining power. Yeah, so, so my entry into the industry was like starting from really like relatively big business. But see, I have a question now, okay? You just mentioned that they had over 50% mining power, 
right? And since you, of course, you're, you know, much more about this industry than I do, I always have this question, you know, in my mind. Bitcoin is centralized, you know, it's a, an even distribution of power amongst all those that, you know, buy in the project, you know, or like that have the, the ledger. And so basically it's a decentralized model. Part of it's like the, what makes it so enticing is the decentralized nature. But my question is, you know, I, I don't understand why mining right, doesn't have a cap on the processing power of the computers because that centralizes again the system, right? Imagine if if the if there was a cap on the processing power, right, and like to solve the algorithm, then if anyone could mine using their mobile phone, that would be true decentralization, right? Because then you really, first of all, you increase adoption. Second, it becomes almost like a lottery, something that everyone would buy in right yeah, yeah. you enhance the security you uh, increase distribution of the ledger but that doesn't seem be, to be the case with bitcoin you know with the fact that there is no cap and that every time you know the the algorithm adjourns itself based yeah. on the average processing power of those that are mining you're encouraging a centralization of processing which is what happened you know with this mining farm until well the price of mining was just you know the price of of bitcoin wasn't worth the uh, the mining but that's what I don't understand. Do you think? Do you also think that um, you know there is some flow in how in the mining behind behind Bitcoin? Do you think it could be improved, or do you think I'm wrong in this um, in this opinion? Basically, you're right. <laughs> the case is that Satoshi didn't think about it. Satoshi didn't think about that people will invent will invent special chips. His idea was that everyone will mine with the processor of their computer. Then some clever people understood that you can do it with GPU, and then some people understood that they can make ISICs. Cases that, I mean, Satoshi didn't realize that this will happen. His idea was like people will just install the software and will just run it when they can or when they want, and this would be even distribution. But then it became business. I don't think that he really understood that it will become a separate industry. When you're inventing something, it's very hard for you to, without any experience and trials and errors, to know everything in advance, right? Yeah. Also, he didn't think that it would be hard to update Bitcoin because of the decentralization, right? Because now to reach consensus is impossible, right? We saw this in the late 2018 when consensus miserably failed and now we have BCH and BSV. So the case is that and also about also about this, right? About updating, because that's another thing that I don't understand. And yeah, I guess can... saying saying both. Okay, right? I'm canceling all all my next meetings. What? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's. I'll, I'll give it brief. I promise. But it's something that maybe you can help me understand because I'm really confused about this part. From what I understand, or at least my belief was always that to update the uh, the ledger, like the the algorithm behind the the Bitcoin ledger you need to basically obtain anonymous consensus because everyone would have to basically update their alleged their ledger so to update the algorithm or you fork it's so, kind of it's kind of the same okay but it can go well or not okay but fork like forks stem from updating the algorithm correct 
um, it's always it's kind of always about the fork, mm-hmm. but the definition of the fork that it that especially with the chain it's very easy to explain with the chain because yeah, everyone can can off. imagine fork yeah. in the chain yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a chain and then it kind of like goes so of course, the yeah. question is can you convince most of the nodes to go the same direction yes because basically from some block right so the idea of updating bitcoin right you release the update which will really change something at the certain height of the block right so then if 90% of the nodes installed it, then at the moment X, they will start working on one chain, right? Okay. And then the ones who didn't will start to work on different chain, which is kind of an original chain, right? Because nothing changed. So yeah. If you think about them, the fork looks like the, stro- like, like the straight one and the fork. Right. Okay. So the idea is that this big fork has to be bigger than 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 the main one. The original then, one. Yeah. Then it's kind of worked, and the ones who didn't update, they will understand relatively quickly that they forgot, and they will join. But what I, from what I understand, every time there is a fork in Bitcoin, people that already hold Bitcoin are entitled to receive an equivalent amount of Bitcoin in the new currency of the fork, right, or something like that. The case is that, yeah, for this, you just have to understand what is blockchain, right? So the blockchain is like a state machine, kind of. So it just changes the state. So every block doesn't really record a state of the whole blockchain. It only updates some records. So basically, each block is an update. Okay, I okay. update the blockchain um stating this 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 and that and all this 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 and that can be only one megabyte right i mean or right now what is two i'm not really um following yeah but it has to be like relatively small because otherwise like the computer would be of just of course <laughs> that is why they yeah. did the segwit where you can kind of like more fi- more more efficiently uh store information in the bitcoin blockchain which is kind of like struggling to scale so the idea is that when you when you kind of understand what this like how how the states change then you understand that you receiving bitcoins is probably somewhere here right so there is a block which says your address receives one bitcoin right so whatever the splits it can be hundreds of forks right going if you received bitcoins before you're you You own this you own this in all of the forks and this is what I don't understand. Isn't that almost a going back to the, you know the general Byzantine problem that you cannot spend the same Bitcoin twice if you fork in reality? It's not you the do... same. It's the, this would be different I, the Bitcoins. Yes, no, I understand. It's a different currency. It's a different. It's a new i. Yeah, it's a it's the same item but in a different system. So it's like a separate thing. I understand that, but it's almost generating money out of thin air. Because if that start to have value, yes. then you created value out of nothing. If, if it has value, yeah, absolutely, no, I agree with ab- that. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely true. So you can fork Bitcoin, no worries. I mean, you can uh, fork Bitcoin, be the only yeah. one who mines it, mine yeah, yourself, no hundred bitcoins, then, and so yeah. on. But who will buy bitcoins course, on this course. chain, right? No, fair one. enough, fair enough. That is why this BSV and BCH they kind of like working to pop to make it popular, because then they kind of like. 
They can sell. Yeah, have they can bitcoins, make money. Have bitcoins in both chains, right? So this is also yeah, about yeah. the politics. I don't want to blame Greg Wright. No, no, no. I, I know that there is a bit of a, it's a controversial. I know. Yeah. I know. If you have a thousand but, bitcoin, you invest a few hundred bitcoin in order to promote kind of like your fork, and then you have uh, what eight hundred bitcoins there, eight hundred there, and if you can sell those eight hundred for the money that you spent to promote this chain, then it makes sense. Yes, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, moving a bit away from the controversy, thanks a lot because, you know, I feel that it's such a technical aspect. I think that, you know, a lot of time when you read online, uh, resources can be very dismissive. And also some paper, it's very hard to really understand what, what goes on. And I think it's also a matter yes. of opinion. But what I'm really interested about, uh, you know, being wary of time, I know that you have a call soon, but, um, you know, I'd like to talk about the about Coinspade and about the product that you offer because I'm very very interested in that. I think it's a it's a very interesting product. Um, so yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, okay, so let's what is your of... role? What's Coinspade? How? When did you fund it? And what is your role in the company? Let's start like so, that. So basically, I was hired there, right? So I didn't oh, wow. I didn't found the company, right? I was I was running different uh, projects before. I mean, I was working in different projects before, but somehow happened that most of my time I'm kind of like rotating around wallets and payments, right? So kind of like right now I see that. Most of the materials about it and most of the companies who are doing payments in cryptocurrency, they are lacking like pieces of information. Like I see that there are there is a clearly lack of expertise in this industry. Um, it might be not very humble uh, from my side, right? But I, I just feel that not so many people kind of like know how to run this business really. Mm -hmm. Um so, um, yeah, I mean, I was promoting different uh, projects and products, uh, mostly like involved in the gaming and betting industries, because that is where challenge, where, where payments are usually challenging, right? Yeah. They, their requirements and payments, it should be really quick, right? It should be not so expensive. It should be international. It should be irreversible. Basically, all these things are about cryptocurrency. Right. Yeah, you can design a. Yeah, I see. I see. So what what really is what what really happened? Like I was um, hired as a business developer for Coinspade in February last year, mm -hmm. and then in May I was appointed as a CEO of Coinspade. Basically, we had just a few clients and probably five employees. So we basically forked from another group of companies who are doing. Um, also, we've worked from Merkelion, who is developing cryptocurrency exchanges. And this was kind of like a product for their hot wallet and so on. And um, I was just told, Max, just uh, do what you know, right? Just uh, try to build the business out of it. And what do you, what do you offer with Coinspade? So we, right now, we already offer a lot of things. So we, like, let's start from the ground. Right? Okay. Because all this all, all cryptocurrency projects, they kind of like start with integration with the blockchain. Right? We have our own integration with around I think 20 blockchains, right? All the popular cryptocurrencies are integrated. So we have a lot of the servers uh, spread all over the world, right? To decrease the synchronization issues. So we don't re rely on the BitGo 
on basically anyone who's supplying this data. So we run everything in-house. Um, so all these um, machines supply information to the core, right? The core is basically the tool which follows a lot of blockchains, uh, which uh, also we have a lot of tools on top, right? Like uh, accepting transactions instantly, right? For this, you need insurance, right? So we have a provider who provides us information if we can accept transactions before. Transactions of what nature? Crypto to crypto, fiat to crypto? No, no transactions, cryptocurrency in. Right, okay. because when you pay for something in crypto, mo most likely you will have to wait for confirmations. Right, basically included in the blocks. Yeah, for for users, I mean for players, yeah, casino, whatever, they don't like it. Right, we have a so way. So you take the risk. Make... Yes, yes. But okay. I have I have insurance insurance provider who kind of offers me to insure most of the transactions. So in most of the cases, it's instant. When I say most, is close to ninety. Okay. Of course, if, the, if 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 address has the history of double spends or whatever, then it would not be instant. We will wait for confirmations. Most of the cases instant. Then we have a lot of providers of liquidity, of prices, of effects, and so on. So we cannot only receive crypto, but immediately swap it into fiat. Do you have basically a basket of crypto that is available to cover a certain volume of transaction or that you know? This you... is yes, we also have this okay. if you speak about exchanges, because how exchanges mm -hmm. work, you need to have some money there, right? Yes. Liquidity in order to for hedge. of course. Exactly. But with liquidity providers, you don't have to. They have their own liquidity and you just tell them I want to sell or I want to buy. So we have yeah. a network of different providers. Okay. So now we have and then you need a fiat ecosystem, right? So you need bank account in order to maintain, uh, to maintain, to settle to clients. Or if somebody wants to buy crypto from you, you need to receive money, right? Then you need to spread it bit between your liquidity providers or exchanges to settle mm -hmm. with them and so on. And we pretty much have everything automated. So we have integration to the fiat world. We have integration to the blockchains. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds much easier than it is <laughs> integration. No, 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 no. I can imagine the, the headache. Uh, yeah. Then you have all these providers of um, of intelligence, insurance, prices, uh, liquidities on different places. You need kind of like a trading engine, and also analytics tools, and also back office so clients know which transaction arrived where. They need to um to en enable some currencies disable some currencies all of them has different fee structures so anyways right it's it's already like i think we invested already a lot of money in the product and the product is really good i think I, at least so this is a, the best on the market so you have basically an, a solid infrastructure is a solid infrastructure for payment processing of cri involving crypto and blockchain yes. right that's and what now we be. built it Yes, and now we built it, and I understand that it's not really only for crypto anymore. <laughs> you can and do my it question for is like that. online banks, whatever. We already have an engine with all the integrations. Okay. We have crypto, right? If, if somebody yeah. wants to do like e-money institution and so on, we have tools for merchants to receive payments. We have e-wallet for cryptocurrency and fiat, and we yes. have the merchant tool, and we have uh, this exchange platform, which so you can you use for FX. And we and we white label it as well. Okay, perfect. So we develop it for ourselves, right? But then if somebody wants something, I don't know, similar or whatever, mm -hmm. because I mean, right now, honestly, right? I mean, we don't really have a lot of competitors, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, like BitPay, CryptoPay, or the Coin 
payments, right? All these guys, I mean, okay, some of them, okay, most of them are older than we are, right? But I see what they offer and how they offer and the liquidity, how they calculate liquidity, how they add hidden margins and so on. I think that like our system is much more transparent, right? We don't outsource anything. We control all the costs, right? We know where where the costs are and we have pretty much no dependency, right? We have one have, dependency on yeah. the banks. Okay, I have two questions about it. Okay, first, I'm really curious about, first of all, I know that you are, uh, and I'm sure, I'm not sure if we can say that. If not, we can take this out of the episode. But <laughs> um, I know that you're looking at gaming, right? At like bringing some of your product to the gaming industry. Is that correct? Or um, We are the biggest gaming. in iGaming. We are the Perfect. biggest in iGaming. We, this is for sure. Um, I'm looking more like to expand out of I, I gaming okay. because I gaming is really a big part, I would say, right? Of course, I'm not speaking about some dodgy uh, i gaming, right? I'm speaking no, about no, the, the license companies brand. licensed, of course. Yeah. No, but what I and I imagine they need a lot of that. But here is my question: I'm super, super. I'm a super keen gamer. Okay, I'm very gamer, as in video video games. games. Yeah, and esports, and that's in a, a very strong area of interest of mine. And you know, now one of the, I mean, a trending, a trending, you know monetization model involves micropayments, you know, and everywhere on mobile applications, on uh, AAA titles, you know, is that a market that you're looking to to service? Because I think there would be huge advantages uh, from for the user and for the publishers, you know, to reduce the costs that come that are associated with all of this microtransaction, because there are hundreds of thousands, you know, millions of microtransactions every day, you know, for a skin, uh, not 0.99 cents, you know. Uh, is that a market you, that you're looking at? or? Yeah, glad you asked. We recently got a few nice clients for skin trading. Um, very, like, very amazing uh, volumes, frequency. We understand this business, right? This is kind of like e-commerce. So it's yes. very transparent. We understand what people do. We try this is in... They have so connection peer -peer? with Steam. So they kind of like, they do peer-to-peer, -peer, right? But I mean, if you if you trade skins, right, you know, you, you go to the platform, you connect your Steam account, right? Mm -hmm. And then basically, like immediately in the website where you connected, right, you put in the keys from, ski, from Steam, from skin, right? Yeah. And you yeah. see what are the tradable items. Or marketable. I don't really understand this, right? I'm so there are there are basically the problem is that there are few publishers which are the you know producer of video game that allow people to oh, oops, to own you know the yeah. in-game items <clears throat> because they're because of IP concerns you know and, and okay. so on and so forth. But uh, those that allow it, for example, Valve kind of allow it you know with CS:GO and actually there have been some problem of money laundering. Uh, you know people using skins to. Uh, to money launder and video game item but i think one of the most curious aspects of blockchain is that it allows virtual property to exist you know which didn't really before because if you think about it you can copy and paste any file however many time you want but you cannot copy and paste bitcoin correct you cannot like yes but now spend. you say yeah now you speak about blockchain used for for um, correct correct like no no I, I'm yeah 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 that is no, basically no, tokenization of the of course of course then, right no, no, it's I understand more that. hardcore 
more harsh. Of course, and no, no, I understand that. But I do think that eventually, I, I mean, I see a huge use case in using blockchain for this type for this type of application. You know, but moving ahead from that, now going back to the skin trading, uh, I, I think that's really interesting. I think that's a, that's a very interesting uh, market. And then the other question that I had, you know, I said that I had two questions. One was this one to understand whether you were yeah, but wait a second. It. Yeah, I will. I, um, so I will continue with with a few other things. So yeah, with the with the skins is 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 a good thing. So we are looking to expand. Yeah, but in general, right? The, even probably the previous question, right? So like, what we really managed to achieve, right? We have a hot wallet, so everyone who want to deal with crypto just to receive and send. We have the solution, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone who wants to buy and sell, we have a solution. Anyone who is willing to accept crypto as a payment method, usually with exchange to Euro, USD, GBP, right? As a payment method, e-shops, I don't know, whoever. This we have. And anyone who like to start similar business, we have white label. And right now we launched B2C product, which is just a wallet. And this okay. is all running in the same ecosystem. And especially right now, um, I don't know, like if you follow Bitcoin network is kind of not working today, probably, yeah, probably tomorrow it will, but already for a few days, Bitcoin is kind of like not working and the fees yeah, are like $5 right, yeah. right now. So Bitcoin is kind of like, doesn't really work for payments so well, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying this on different conferences, events for many years already, like since 2015 and it looks like nobody really kind of like willing to understand it probably, but Bitcoin is not working for payments. If you now try to send transaction in Bitcoin, you will have to pay five euros. If you send 20 bucks, it doesn't yeah. work. So the why I'm saying this, that on the same ecosystem, of course, users of our wallet can pay our merchants off-chain, right? So kind of like it's not a lightning network. This is just like because it is all on our hot wallets and we just don't have to send money to ourselves. So we managed already to move thousands of transactions off-chain. We okay. even had to develop our own off-chain explorer. So it's a virtual ledger that you have, which yeah. connects all of your users. So you don't have to actually transfer money out. It is within. That resembles a little bit kind of a form of e-money, right? A limited network e-money where people trade value within, yes, but, but don't extract e-money it. money are in crypto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's crypto. a... So we so we have an explorer. Probably we can then place a link below that you can just see For that sure. some percent some percent of, of of transactions are right now off chain because we are right now consuming few percent of the of the whole blockchain, right? So it's not like zero zero. We we are we are reaching right now three percent of all Bitcoin transactions wow. sent, and and even if we send just few percent of those three percent, it still like impacts the whole Bitcoin blockchain. So the hot wallet, right? Let me understand how it works from a user perspective. <clears throat> I'm depositing Bitcoin in the hot wallet that you provide, correct? So I guess that you are the one that then holds the cryptocurrency on behalf of your users, because if yes. you allow them to trade, okay. So yes. users are provided with some form of token that represent their holding in cryptocurrency, which are held by you. Correct. Uh, yeah, basically just a number in the interface. Yeah. Okay. So that really enhances also the security for users. Correct. Although it is more centralized, you should be able to provide higher security standards. And if there is a payment which is dodgy, I guess you could revert it, which you cannot. Um, 
Yeah, so this is this is quite a complex question, right? So of course we okay. have a security audit from Kaspersky, right? Which is a oh, relatively yeah. well known. I mean, there are not so many like others that you can right now get a certificate with a good name, right? Yeah. And then of course with the hosted wallets, and what we provide is basically called hosted wallet. I mean, of course, you kind of like not supposed to hold big amounts in this wallet. Right. I mean, yeah. if somebody invested a million in cryptocurrency, he will never hold them in the hosted wallet. I mean, unfortunately, many will. Right. But it's always yeah. a bad idea. It's always a yeah. bad idea because what I do, I give Bitcoin wallet services. Right. It's it's not Bitcoin wallet in the sense of understanding the wallet. Right. Because the wallet is a software application which manages your keys, addresses and inputs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have a wallet, right? That we have an app which holds keys, addresses, and inputs. Basically, we have millions of addresses and probably more inputs. Um, yeah, but we just provide it as an easy interface that the user cannot lose keys and so on. He, um, he has an email, password, and a token from the Google Auth, right? Uh, so then if he loses the phone, right? then probably no one can steal the money unless they really have full access to the phone and yeah. they know where to go and what to do. Um, if somebody just steals the password, they cannot really log in. And we have a procedures where if you lost the phone, right, you have to prove that we are speaking with you. So security, of course, is extremely important here. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, that was my second question, by the way. I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't anticipate the again, but... Um, I, I'm aware of time. I know that you have a call. No, it's in. fine. It's fine. Let me, yeah, let me also check. Um, but I just wanted to ask you one final question, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go um, ahead. I just wanted to ask whether you're excited about any particular upcoming technology, you know, aside from blockchain. Is there anything else that you see? And especially because of the person you are, you know, we spoke about how much you like new things and innovation. You tend to just, you know, delve into into it and try to envision a future that use it, try to understand how that could contribute to, you know, to everyday life. So is there anything else that you see on the horizon that makes you particularly excited? Um, I would say, um, I would say I'm waiting for some strong technology to appear, which will kind of become a standard for payments, but I somehow lose my face uh, over the time. So like they are not appearing, right? I was thinking probably Litecoin or Ethereum will kind of like replace Bitcoin in payments, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like continue not to happen, right? So most of my yeah. clients, they support, they, they offer Bitcoin as a deposit method, Ethereum, Litecoin, BCH, and still everybody's like stick to Bitcoin. I already like try to incentivize them, recommend them, explain why. And I mean, among the serious players, probably with the Tezos, I hear a lot of things that they are working and and developing the the, the stuff. I hear good things about BSV, right? Which is politically, of course, kind of like was a very controversial, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Controversial kind of like launch of this technology. That is why many exchanges just delisted it, which of course influenced the adoption a lot. Right, but now they have some partnerships. They have some like agreements with some gaming groups and so on. Who knows, right? Maybe they can really manage it because technologies are good, right? We don't really have challenge with technologies so much. It's more like with like who will manage to push their technology out there, right? Because adoption is the main problem. 
Yeah. Exactly. Bitcoin was not pushed by anyone, right? It just happened organically. And right now with the technology, somebody just has to like really push it out there. And mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, we have to be blockchain agnostic, right? We don't really care which technology um, like is more popular. My idea is to provide to my potential clients and to my existing clients the features that they need, right, for their business. Because what we do, we are not really like um, creating any kind of like rocket science, right? We work with the needs of the industries, right? I know that, for example iGaming has challenges with the payments from all over the world, right? I understand what they value, right? Like speed, fair exchange rates, clear agreements, clear legal structures, right? It's not only about technology, right? We kind of have to provide them the whole solution, recommendations. We recommend them how to to show it on the website, right? That, 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 That users would like to click it, right? So it is the whole package solution kind of that we offer. And um, yeah, we don't we don't really care. We can help them to create a flow for BSV, for Ripple, for Bitcoin, Litecoin, and so on. But then it is up to the players, right? Up to the users yeah. to make a vote what they want to use more. And then second problem is education, because I believe that many users they don't really realize how Bitcoin works. And this is like how I started my kind of like career in the industry. I understood that this industry cannot grow on people who don't understand technology and don't want to understand technology. So the problem is that even players who send Bitcoin in order to play games or to buy skins, they don't understand that Bitcoin has only up to seven transactions a second. And them sending it right now instead of Litecoin or Ethereum, making it six a second, right? Yeah. And uh, if we kind of like all don't have this understanding, then Bitcoin will will fail for everything. So right now we have to realize that it already failed for payments and use it only for money storage, right? For money storage, when you send big transactions, right, for half a million, quarter million, it will not happen seven transactions a second, right? This would be enough, yeah. right? I mean, we can we can do up to I don't know, few transactions a second should be enough for big transactions. For small transactions, use Litecoin, Ethereum, BCH, yeah, BSC, something more lighter, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's see how it goes. All right, Max, thanks so much for coming on Blockchain Rock. It was great to have the ability, you know, to speak with you. It was a very interesting conversation. Thank um, you. I'm going to leave, uh, you know, links in for, to, to Coinspade um, with the video. But if you have anything to add, please do. Otherwise, thank you so, so much again for coming on Blockchain Rock. Um, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we decided to have uh, our B2B brand on, under the separate name cryptoprocessing.com so please okay. add, add the link there as well and Omri, it was a sure. pleasure as well i think we had a really interesting conversation and i'm i'm really hopeful that everyone who hears it will kind of understand the technology slightly more and the challenges and payments slightly more thank you so much max it was great thank you for making the time and i hope we both Anytime. i mean all, all of us at blockchain rock hope to you know uh, be able to host you again in the you know next episode i would love to I'll, thanks I'll so much Thanks so much. Ciao.